Judges chapter 11 and verse 29. We're speaking here about uh, a judge called Jephthah. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpeh of Gilead, and from Mizpeh of Gilead he passed over unto the children of Ammon. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord, and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Aror, even till thou come to Mineth, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards, with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And Jephthah came to Mizpeh, unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me. For I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. And he said, Go. And he sent her away for two months, and she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow which he had vowed, and she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. Amen. May the Lord bless to us this reading of his word. Today we come to another judge in Israel and just depending on how the count goes this might be around the the uh, eighth or, or ninth of the judges uh, tenth that we've been thinking about. So we're moving on uh, through these individuals. This is a judge that is better known and whose history is better known. You may remember that last week we spoke of six judges who really only were mentioned by name with very little uh, spoken of concerning them. This 
is different. Here is a man called uh, Jephthah and his history is better known. He indeed achieved some great accomplishments and we've read a little bit about a battle that he fought with the Ammonites and a victory that he won. And yet it is for a matter of his own personal judgment that he is perhaps most remembered and thought about. And it is to do with a vow that he made prior to the battle with the Ammonites, which has left us with perhaps some uncomfortable questions. Jephthah ended up as a judge of Israel. But had we taken time to read more of the history of this man, we would have discovered that he started out in life in a very disadvantaged way. He was an outcast and uh, he had great public shame. The reason for that was that he was born to a, a harlot and he was born outside of marriage. As a result of that, he was despised by his brothers who were sons of a legitimate wife. And they made sure that he would not be entitled to inherit any of his father's property and he would as a result be very poor and he was ultimately abandoned. He was cast out of his home and he was not allowed to be a part of the family. And how often we find that the sins of the fathers are visited on their children very often unjustly. Not perhaps directly in judgment from God, but by consequence of the sins that have been committed before them. And the scriptures speak of that indeed. Jephthah fled from the presence of his brothers and out of the uh, family home and it is perhaps to some extent for this reason that we discover that he uh, became a, a man who was uh, engaged in uh, activities that were harsh and difficult. This hard start continued into his adult life. He became the leader of a band of what are called in scripture vain men. Now this does not necessarily mean that they acted wickedly, although it probably means that they acted uh, in random ways and they didn't have any real ties or responsibilities. But the name vain man implies that these men were like Jephthah in that they had no families and they had no inheritance and they were as a result empty men. That's what the, the, the phrase 
vain men means. They were empty and they lived by what they could scavenge or by what they could forage for themselves. Perhaps in the mountains, perhaps in the woods, perhaps they were hunters, but they didn't have any land, they didn't have anything to farm and they didn't have anywhere uh, firm to stay and to, to dwell. And it may well be that they were cross-border raiders as well, going into the neighbouring country of Ammon and there uh, eking out some existence as best they could. And what we discover is that Jephthah was successful in doing that and that when the Ammonites came to attack Israel, and we didn't read it, but in fact the, 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 the beginning of this narrative is that Israel after a, a long period of, um, uh, well, several, de several decades, probably about 40-odd uh, years, um, they went back to idolatry. There had been peace. They went back to idolatry. They went back to wickedness. And then the Ammonites came against them uh, to, to, to trouble the land. And when the Ammonites came against Israel, because Jephthah had had some success in resisting them, and as a leader of men, he was recognised by people in Gilead, the land that he had come from, as one who might be able to help them and to bring his soldiers, his troop, his band to the assistance of the people. And so these people who at first ejected him from his home and rejected him from the land, they asked him to come back to return and lead the people, lead the soldiers, rule in the land where his family lived. Jephthah agreed to do that and he took command of the army and twice he sent messages to the king of the Ammonites telling them that he did not want war and endeavouring to prevent any battles. But soon it became clear that war was inevitable and that fighting would be unavoidable. So the people obeyed Jephthah's call to arms. And in verse 29, we read together that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So Jephthah was chosen by the people and he was anointed by the Lord to be a judge of all Israel. And it was at this point that Jephthah made what was likely a hasty and certainly a foolish vow. And we read about it in the passage that is before us. It was a vow that seems to reflect a lack of faith on his part and an attempt to make a deal with God. He promised the Lord that if the Lord gave him victory over the Ammonites, he would give in return a burnt offering of whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me. Now we'll come back to this in a moment. But the Lord did give Jephthah victory over the Ammonites and they were subdued. A little bit later we discovered that that didn't, however, bring peace into the land because Jephthah was provoked by the tribe of Ephraim who seemed for some reason to want to pick a fight with him and with the people of Gilead 
and Jephthah had to go to war also with the Ephraimites and he defeated them. Uh, Ephraim was defeated with many men slain and afterwards Jephthah judged Israel for six years and then he died and was buried in his home in Gilead. But it's the lessons that relate to the making um, and fulfilling of this vow that I want to draw to our attention today. And I think there are some lessons that we can take uh, from this little passage, unsettling as it is. And there's no doubt that, that it is a disturbing and a puzzling passage in the word of God. It makes for uneasy reading that here is a, a man of God. And I think we should note this about Jephthah. He is a man of faith. And, and this, is, this is mentioned in the context of the passage, but it is also reinforced because in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32, in that list of the people who were people of faith, Jephthah is mentioned amongst them explicitly and directly. So he was a man of faith, but he was also a man upon whom the Spirit of the Lord rested. The Spirit of the Lord came. And indeed he came, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah before he made this vow. So Unsettling as the vow is, we discover that he is both a man of faith and a man upon whom the Spirit of the Lord is resting even before he said these things. Now, the history of this matter is as it is. And it was a long time ago, and we would probably be unwise to be overly judgmental about what we think this all means and what was happening here. And yet we find ourselves thinking, how could a man be so foolish as to make such a promise to God as could result in making his own daughter a burnt offering? And we may well say, well, that was the last thing that he imagined would happen. And yet it was explicitly stated that it would be whatever came to meet him at his door that would be made an offering to the Lord. And I think that we need to just pause and reflect upon that. Let me also say this in the context of what we read together. We are not actually told that this girl was ever slain. It appears that she was but it is not explicitly said. And we just have to remember that. It may well be that there are things here that we are not told about and we don't fully understand. Remember what we said last week, that not everything is written down and there is much that is left out because the true message is the message of salvation and deliverance by the Lord. We should note in the context of what is said here in this chapter, that it was against the law of God to offer human sacrifice. So therefore it was against the law what uh, seems in a sense to be unfolding before us. And it was also 
an abomination to the Lord. It not only was against the law of God, but it was hated by God that such a thing should be done. And there is a a reference in scripture a number of times to uh, passing through the fire and the worship of a god called Molech. Interestingly, the Ammonites were Molech worshippers and they practiced this passing of their children through the fire, whatever that actually means. There's also something else which is perhaps pertinent here. The Mosaic law allowed for extreme vows, which undoubtedly this was, to be redeemed with money. And values were set for specific examples. So that had Jephthah wished, he could have redeemed his daughter from this uh, um, sacrifice that is suggested here. Now, I don't want to be emphatic about what did or did not occur here, but I think there are some lessons for you and me today. And here's the first one that I want to to, to just leave with you. Don't try to make deals with God. Don't try to deal with the Lord. Don't say things to the Lord in your prayers or or in your moments of difficulty or in your moments of trial. Don't say things to the Lord like, if you do this for me, then I will do this for you. We should not do that. You are in no position to barter with God. And let it be known We speak from experience that whatever you offer, you won't be able to deliver. So don't make deals with God and don't make promises to God at all because you will not be able to keep them and you will end up ashamed and then you will feel guilty and you will feel disappointed because of the experience. So there's the first point. Don't try to do deals with God or make promises to him that you can't deliver. The second point is this. If you do do that, if you have made promises to God and made statements to the Lord that you later regret, as undoubtedly Jephthah did, then tell him you are sorry. Tell him you were foolish to do so. Ask for forgiveness. The Lord is merciful, the Lord is kind, and the Lord is patient with his children. He knows that we think more of ourselves than we ought to. He knows that we have weak faith. He knows that we say and do foolish things, that we get into situations and we think the only way out of them is to make a commitment and then we discover we can't keep up our end. He knows that. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And asking for forgiveness is what Jephthah ought to have done. 
No matter how solemn, no matter how earnest, how well meant his promise was. The Lord will not enforce our mistakes upon us if we repent. Now we've noted that Jephthah was a judge. We've noted that he was a man anointed of God. We've noted that he is a man of faith. But we learn from his life that we all make mistakes. And the Bible assures us that the Lord is gracious to forgive. Perhaps it was that Jephthah's faith faltered in the moment as he faced the Ammonites. Maybe there was an element of bravado. Here was this, this man who had, uh, had to wrestle all his life. Who knew what it was to have nothing and who knew what it was to, to, to uh, have to keep face as a leader of men. Maybe he felt that he had to keep his word in order to save his pride or, or, or to stave off embarrassment. But a humble apology would have been better. It is never a good idea to do something wrong in order to cover up a mistake. And the scriptures not only teach us by positive direction and instruction how we should live, but we are also encouraged to learn by seeing the mistakes of others and knowing that we are all sinners and we are all in need of grace and forgiveness. We read a little bit about Jephthah's daughter here and the things that she said and the things that she did and there's much in the meek attitude and the meek words that Jephthah's daughter spoke that are admirable and uh, uh, even delightful. But may the Lord preserve us all from endangering our loved ones and indeed endangering the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ by the foolish things that we say and do. God did not want Jephthah's daughter's life. He wanted Jephthah's humble faith and trust. And trust is all that we have to give to the Lord. The final thing I want to mention is this, and then, and then we're through today. Jephthah was foolish and he lived to regret his words. But God the Father wisely, willingly and mercifully gave his own dearly beloved son, his only son, because the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood was the only price for our redemption and the cost of our salvation. You and I can never do a deal with God. As sinners, the price of redemption is beyond our ability to pay. But the good news of the gospel is this. The deal is already done. The contract or the covenant, because it's the same word, the, the, the contract or covenant made 
has been fulfilled by the Lord Jesus and the cost of our release and the, 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 the deliverance from the curse of the law has been paid. We are blessed today because Christ has paid the full ransom price for our salvation. May we learn from mistakes of Jephthah and the mistakes of others in the word of God. And may we never forget what it cost the Lord Jesus Christ to save our souls. Amen.